invite you to turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter is um, one of my favorite letters, I would say, in Scripture. You know, all the Bibles is awesome. You know, the way it's divided and it speaks to every aspect of our life, doesn't it? One day you open it up and that specific chapter or, or verse even may speak to you for that day. And then a few weeks down the road, there's another chapter and verse that just hits your heart. Today, for me, and I believe will encourage you today also, is from 1 Peter. And I appreciate that when we read scripture in its entirety, in its wholeness, that it really has that fire for effect. And so my goal is to read this passage and allow the words of Peter to speak to us today. So in 1 Peter, starting in verse 1, he sets this up in his greeting and he says, Peter, an apostle of Christ, to those chosen living as exiles dispersed abroad in Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ Jesus. My grace, or my, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for his salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief and various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which through perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seen him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look at that last part in verse 9. Because you are receiving, remember that word, you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That word receiving is showing that it's already an ongoing process. It's not something that he's saying, oh, you're, you're going to receive. You haven't received it yet. You will one day. He's saying you are receiving it but you'll receive it in its fullness at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason why we're going to this letter today is I believe it speaks to our time in history that in this world, we will have trouble. In this world, there will be different kinds of arguments. There will even be wars. There will be conflict. And here Peter is speaking to the Christians who have been dispersed throughout Roman provinces because Emperor Nero put out a decree saying basically all these Christians must go. He's blaming them for everything. 
And so they've been dispersed. That's why he says to the exiles dispersed abroad. And he's sharing them and, and speaking to them that as they're facing difficulty, as they're speaking trial, it is what? It is our living hope in Jesus that'll see us through. It is that living hope, that blessed hope, the scripture says, that will see them through. And so here we have Peter. He's a guy who knew Jesus firsthand. He was a member of his inner ministry circle, right? Peter was a fisherman by trade. He was called one day to follow Christ. He told him, follow me and I will make you a fisherman of people or a fisherman of men, depending on our translation. To show them a different way, a different way of living, a different way of trusting. And so Peter saw firsthand in the midst of trials how Jesus yet, in the midst of even sweating blood before he went to the cross, he saw how Jesus focused on his living hope. And he looked to his father, scripture said that he trusted that, would, that he would raise him from the dead. And so he learned firsthand this experience, this kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy, Sue. He's learning by experience, watching and learning Jesus in action of how to trust God no matter what. And so Peter, who experienced this intimate relationship with, with Christ, is saying, I've experienced setback. And the way that we see it through is this blessed hope. How many of you remember reading about Peter when he said, Lord, I will follow you anywhere, even to death. And then before Christ was even crucified, what did he do? He denied Christ three times. And Jesus even told him, and it highlights God's foreknowledge that we see in this chapter, that Jesus knew what Peter would do. He knew that he would deny him. He said, I tell you the truth. Before such a time, you will deny me three times. But yet the encouraging aspect that I think comes through in this letter, and he doesn't speak to this story, this event, this interaction he had with Christ, but Jesus said to Peter one day, and sorry, I don't have the verse for you today. This is just a kind of firing for the hip, is that he told Peter, after you have been renewed or restored, you've picked yourself back up after this this, this falter, this temptation that you endured. Go and encourage your brothers. And so Peter experienced firsthand this, this trial, this difficulty in the midst of this life. And he understood, I believe, full well, as he says here in the scripture, that God is guarding you. Trust in him. He's holding for you a salvation that cannot be stolen, cannot be robbed from you. Look at this in verse Five, he says, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. How cool is that? See, when you woke up this morning or even while you're asleep, I'm hoping to mind, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. You've been guarded by the Lord. Because you believe in him, scripture says in Ephesians 1.13, when you believe, you're marked in him by his promised Holy Spirit. It's a seal, a promise of what is to come. Because you believed. And because we believe, because I believe, Isaiah, because you believe, you are being guarded by his power. 
And so in the midst of the emperor sending out decrees saying, no, 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 I'm sovereign. No, 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 I am the Lord above all lords. And he's issuing death threats. As I said a few weeks ago, he was stringing up Christians in the Colosseum. He was allowing them to be torn to pieces by tigers and lions. And yet, in the midst of the persecution, even leading to death, he tells them, Peter tells them, about this living hope. He's focused on the positive, this new birth that you've received because you believe in Christ. He says in verse four, it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Let me tell you what really struck struck home for me this week as I was reading this. I was imagining the Colosseum and the lion's Maybe it might help if you watch the movie Gladiator. It might give a little bit of a cinematic feel to it where you see Russell Crowe's like in a fight and the lion just jumps out of the pit. He's like, whoa, right? And he's fighting for his life. Well, here these believers would have been in a similar situation and yet they remain steadfast in trust, yet going through the emotion, the fear of what they were facing. And I believe these words of Peter would have really struck a chord with them. Like we saying, Adonai, you are my hiding place. I trust in you. The question I asked myself as I read this, could I be like Peter? I believe I probably could be tempted like Peter was to deny Christ when times get tough. But could I be like the other believers, the men and women who chose to remain faithful and steadfast in the midst of grim circumstance? Time will tell. Look what he says in verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seen him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Think about this. Peter saw Christ. He saw him living and breathing, hands and feet. And yet the people that he's addressing had not seen Christ in the flesh. This is about two or three generations worth from where Christ has already departed. About 30 years. And yet they love him though they have not seen him. And what's he getting at here? Where's Paul, or sorry, where's Peter getting this? He's saying that they realize this tremendous love that God had for them to send his son that Christ said that they were worth him dying. Christ went to the cross and they were able to grasp a hold of this even though they didn't see him, even though they didn't have this inner reaction like Peter and the rest of the disciples had and yet they continued to rejoice in the midst of hardship. Look what he says in verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. 
These things have now been announced to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. So here we see Peter is, in, is encouraging these faithful, these, these faithful that have been exiled and have been dispersed, and he's speaking about the importance of resting in this living hope, but also those who have faithfully spoken the word of truth. So it's one thing here, if you're, if you're keeping notes or want a few points, is it's, it's good to rest. It's good to rest and trust in the living hope, but you're meant to share it. You're meant to share where you have this security, this inner sense of peace and joy. And then he goes and says, and you heard these words preached to you and prophesied about. Maybe by a show of hands, how many here today are here where you came to Christ because of another who shared their faith with you? All of us have had those experiences. So here's Peter saying the exact same thing. It has been shared with you. It's been preached to you, he says, the gospel to you through them by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And get ready for this, Don. I know this is going to excite you. You ready? Right at the end it says, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Angels are celebrating. They're in heaven that every time someone comes to faith in Christ, they're rejoicing. Amen, or, you know, you can imagine us. They're, they're before the king, and I'm just getting excited because I'm thinking how many angels there are. And we're not worshiping angels. Don't misunderstand me. We're not talking about worshiping angels because the angels worship and serve Christ and are those who go out and abound in this world for those who are us inheriting salvation. And they want to catch a glimpse of what's going on. And why do you think Peter would write saying they want to catch a glimpse, Don? The angels have been waiting to see this salvation story play out in real time. That this has been prophesied from before the foundations of the earth that the Messiah would come, which is the word Christ. And now they're seeing in living real time people coming to salvation. People coming to the living word, this blessed hope, no matter what they were facing, they're catching a glimpse. And so as you're resting and yet sharing the truth of the gospel, what happens? Angels are celebrating. Angels are catching a glimpse. Sue, when you share your faith, I don't know, I just I feel a real strong, just to speak encouragement to you this afternoon in a good way, that when you're ministering in even what you do for as work, angel, your, your angel, your guardian angel is there with you and, and Jesus is pleased with you. He's applauding you for the work that you're doing. You're, you're touching lives. Now, you may not be sharing, you know, chapters and verses, but you are showing them um, just a, tr a tremendous amount of worth through what you do. Each one of us are created in the image of God, so importantly that he wants us to share what Christ means to us in different fashions and in different ways. And angels are catching a glimpse of this is what Peter says. And so he says to these exiles in these different Roman provinces, he's telling them, in all of this, our God who has foreknowledge means nothing is unaware to God. He's, he's completely in the know. He's relationally involved. He's fulfilling that sanctifying work of uh, conforming us to the image of Christ. And he's saying, be obedient to this. 
Sometimes we forget that part. We rest, we get excited, we can rest in his peace, we can rest in his grace, we can even be excited that he's empowering us to witness. But sometimes the obedience part is a little bit lacking. Just a little bit. So here he says in verse two, when he mentions the foreknowledge and the sanctifying work of the spirit, he says, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. When we're obedient into resting in his foreknowledge and in sharing the truth that he's deposited in our spirit, it's not only going to change lives, but we're going to be completely transformed and never the same. Look how he goes on here into verse 13. So he set this up. He says, hey guys, living abroad, don't lose heart. You have a blessed hope. Angels are celebrating. You've been guarded by God, by his power for salvation. And it's gonna be fully revealed when Christ comes back. And he says, angels are celebrating. They're catching a glimpse. And then look what he says in verse 13. Are you ready? In verse 13, he says, therefore, put our running shoes on, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. Conducting your lives with reverence during your time living as strangers. What is Peter talking about here? I'm sure you're sitting here like, yeah, I can wrap my mind around this, setting my mind to be ready for action, to, to holy living and walking in like the footsteps of Christ. But what, is he, what does he mean by saying, you know, living here as strangers? What he's referencing here is that, I kind of alluded to it during praise and worship, is that we are seated in heavenly places because of Christ. We are citizens of heaven. We are temporary residents. We have a temporary postal code here on earth. It's temporary. Sometimes it can feel the opposite. It can feel kind of drawn out depending on what, you know, life events are happening. And yet, no matter what we go through, I really believe God uses situations in each of our lives as an opportunity to realize this temporal residence that we have and to look forward to that blessed hope. For me, it was facing cancer. For you, it might be something else. Think here today, what might be those things in your life, those life events, those stories that God is using to direct your attention to remember that blessed hope? But not just to get lost in the clouds. You know, sometimes you hear people that they're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. I, take that with a grain of salt, okay? We are meant to bring the, bring the kingdom of God to earth, to pray, Lord, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he uses these events to reorientate us, to empower us, to see the kingdom of heaven unleashed in our lives. And I believe it comes through, again, both Peter and Paul touch on this, and so did Christ. 
through reverence. A few weeks ago, we looked at Hebrews chapter five, verse seven, I believe, where it said that Christ prayed passionately and with loud cries to God who he knew would raise him from the dead and that God answered him because of his reverence. Look here again. It says, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. Reverence is a good thing. Sometimes, I don't know why, reverence kind of got this bad rap. Like it was some sort of maybe religious thing. Did you know, Isaiah, that being religious can be a good thing? Here's why. Religious, the word means devotion. Fervency in that devotion. Now, if we're passively going through the motions, I mean, Isaiah, I'm going to put you on the spot now. You're on the drums and you come into worship and you're just going through the motions. When is this over? You're looking at the clock. And yet I got to be here. Angie said, I need to be here. That's very religious in a negative way. But you don't do that. Praise God, you don't do that. <laughs> Amen. So there's, right, there's two sizes. With reverence, there's this promise that when we are living in this life with reverence that God sees, angels are catching a glimpse and they're celebrating this blessed hope that we have. But people also take notice of that reverence. And to bring it all to a close, here's the emphasis of why that reverence matters. Jesus was able to draw so many people. He was the greatest fisherman that ever lived. And yeah, he, he drew people by the miracles that attested to who he was. He drew people because of his love, because he interacted with people that were unlike him, even dined with sinners. But there was also the aspect of the reverence. He took time to pray to his heavenly father, say, Lord, your will be done. Even before he went to the cross, he said, my nourishment, the disciples wanted to shove some food in his face, Isaiah, and he said, look, the nourishment that I have is from doing the work that my father has sent me to do. He had that reverence. He didn't give up. He didn't shrink back. He went to the cross. Guys, he, he, he sweat blood at one point before he went to the cross. He remained reverential in his mission and assignment. And so all these, all these pieces is what jumped out to me in going through this passage and trying to be faithful and going through this um, with, with an exegesis and going through, you know, line by line and pulling all these pieces. But it needs to make sense. It needs to hit home where the rubber hits the road. Let's continue on. Verse 18. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished, unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have been purified, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to truth, so here's reverence and obedience to truth, so that you show sincere brotherly love from each other from a pure heart. Love one another constantly because you have been born again. 
Amen. Here's this interaction, this emboldenment that happens because of our faith in Jesus, that when we're obedient, when we're reverent, he empowers us to live this born-again life, to actually be able to love each other. You know, I'm reminded of this, John, every time we play hockey together. John and I play a hockey team in Norwich. Lately, we've played back-to-backs games Saturday nights and Sunday nights because COVID, you know, shut the whole schedule down and you try to make up games. And, you know, there's times you're out there and you go through a little bit of testing. You go through a little bit of trials and a little bit of humor. It's nowhere on the same level from the people in this letter. But, you know, when you get laid out on the ice, when it's supposed to be a non-contact league, tempers flare. And when you see your brother get hit, make no mistake, I'm, I'm definitely going after them. And yet, I, I think of this verse, and it says, hey, your obedience to the truth shows sincere brotherly love for each other. <laughs> From a pure heart, love one another constantly because you have been born again. Not of a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And he goes on to say at the end of verse 25, and this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. This is where I'm wrapping it up. And this is the word, the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Think about all the things Peter just addressed in that letter. He addressed trusting and being faithful in the midst of heartache, even while you're exiled and you're not receiving rights and privileges. You're on the outside at times looking in. People are pressing in on you and yet remain faithful, trusting in God that your salvation that you are receiving will be revealed. He says to continue in reverence and obedience to the truth, living a holy life because he is holy and angels are watching. This is the gospel. Or if you watch the Mandalorian show, this is the way. I'm telling you, and I'm telling you, when I watch the show and he says, this is the way, I'm thinking, this is the way. Proper religious devotion. Keep that in mind as you, you, know, you look out into the, uh, the marketplace and you're having conversations. Sometimes the gospel for some can be so narrow And there's no taking away from the foundation, the bedrock that God loves us. But he's calling us to so much more than just receiving and basking in the rays of the sun like getting a good tan. He's saying, trust in me, rest in me, be rooted and built up in me and sharing this gospel, this truth through reverence and obedience. This is the word that spoke to me in preparation for today. And I hope it's encouraged you this afternoon as you're turning on the news or you're having conversations at work, my friend. Whatever or wherever you go this week, be encouraged. Whatever you face, the Christ is with you. That blessed hope is being kept for you firm and secure it cannot be stolen. It does not fade like even gold today. It still can be tarnished. But what we have is enduring. I invite the worship team to come so we have an opportunity to lift up a, some praise and 
proclaim as, you know, angels are celebrating. Because even right now, somebody's receiving the gospel. Somebody has given their life to Christ. And I'm touched that even in our gatherings, that there's those online who are watching also. And they send a little comment by email saying, I was watching and I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. When we gather together, it's important. There's so much blessing that comes from gathering together. So thank you for being here today. These words, may they encourage you. As the worship team uh, begins to lead us, I'd encourage you to read your Bible for yourself. I'm, I'm sure all of you do. It's just a friendly reminder that if you sink your teeth into it, you, if, you, if you devour it, you meditate on it, that the word does not return void. There's an answer for every season and every circumstance. Because the, the word says that it is living and active. Unlike any other book you may have on your shelf, any other bestseller, the words in those books are not timeless. They can't reach into every circumstance. But the word, like one of the good songs, one of those good country songs, tried, tested, and found true, like a rock. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. You and I are part of that family, amen? And so I'm just gonna offer a word of prayer and of thanks as we come to a time of worship before we, uh, we go here today. Wow, Lord, your, <laughs> your word is truly timeless. It reaches in and stirs us, speaks to each of our hearts, molds us, washes over us, as your word says, that as it washes over us like a mighty river, that we're not only cleansed by it and renewed by it, but we're strengthened to endure whatever we face. Lord, thank you for the testimony, the example of men and women of faith like Peter and others who gave their life even to the point of death for the gospel. Continue to move us, Lord Jesus, by your spirit to live in want what you want to live according to your good purpose and your plan. Lord, as you continue to rescue us and preserve us for the day of salvation when you return, Lord, would you use us? Lord, would you give us the words to speak to our colleagues? Give us the words to speak even out in the marketplace. Give us the boldness, put people's names on our heart. Give us words, give us dreams, give us visions. Stir us. Bind us together as we rest in your hope, as we rest in your love and to step out with the power of your gospel. May we not be ashamed like Paul who said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. We call upon you, Jesus. We call upon you, Lord. you Jesus
emotional in worship. I'd invite you right now just to take a few moments and, and offer a, a word of song to him. If even in, even in your spirit, it's okay. You don't have to sing it out loud. We want to linger in these moments. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your living testimony, God. No matter what we face, you are with us. As we trust in you, we will receiving the salvation of our souls. And I will call upon the Lord for you alone are strong enough to save. And rise, your shackles are no more. For Jesus Christ has conquered over the grave. Thank you, Jesus. Stir us, God. Stir us, Lord. Let's sing that together. And I will call upon the Lord, for He alone is strong enough to save. And rise, your shackles are no more, for Jesus Christ has broken every chain. That's the lyric right there, He's broken every chain.
has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of our souls. The salvation of our souls. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.